You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's to you as well. Um, just wanted just to say I'm just uh, honored again to be here today and just to be able to share. <clears throat> you know, I never take the opportunity to share the word lightly. And I believe God has something to say. He always has something to say. And he's always speaking. Amen. If we're listening, we can hear what he has to say. And I believe that God is wanting to say something today as well. I want to share today, um, I believe it's up on the screen there, a topic today called Times of Transition. How many of you have ever felt like or sensed, how many, let me just ask it this way, how many of you sensed that we've been in a transition as a church, not, not just this church, but as a church for at least a couple years? <laughs> I, I mean, can you sense that? I mean, I feel like everybody just has the awareness that, that there's something in the spirit, something in the, the realm of God is going on. And we need to be prepared. I've, I've heard different people speak and say things, and even a pastor, as I'll share here, has uh, made some statements in the last few weeks as well. And I believe God is really saying something, and, and we need to be ready because we're in a time of transition, whether it's us locally, uh, us individually, or us corporately as a, as a complete body of Christ. In the world today, something is going on. And I think we need to be uh, really aware of, of what that is and what God is speaking to us uh, through these times of transition. I want to open up with a scripture in Ecclesiastes verse, uh, chapter 7, starting verse 8. And it reads like this. It says, The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten to your spirit do not hasten in your spirit, I'm sorry, to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Verse 10, it says, Do not say, Why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. You know, for something to end, something has to begin. For something to begin, something has to end. Right? And I believe what, that's what God is saying today, that, that, that we are in a time of transition, that we are at a time of, of a place where God is moving us into something different, something new, something unknown, something that we're not exactly sure of. But how many of you know if God says do something, it's usually going to be a good thing? The definition of transition is this. It's, it's, it says movement. A passage or change from one position or state or stage or subject to another, to change. In fact, the word actually means to change. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't all raise your hand at one time, but how many of you like change? Oh, look at the hands. I, I, they're all going up all over the place. I see, I see everybody saying, I love change. Not I don't. I don't typically like things to change. I like things the way they are. I like things to stay the same. But there's one thing for sure that the only constant that we see in our lives is change. In fact, in fact the word, our, our life means change. Our lives are in transition always, aren't they? 
The only constant is change. We can't get too used to things the way they used to be in our lives. I look at Paul and, and Gina, they traveled from California, so the way things used to be are not the same. Now they have to deal with the cold weather. They never had that issue before, but now they do. And we, you know, you have jackets for that. You can, you can accommodate that. But change is constant. There's a, there's a quote here, uh, Erwin Lutzer, I don't know if you know him, but he's from Moody Bible uh, in Chicago. And uh, he says this, he goes, everything that God brings into our life is directed to one purpose, that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. Everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, is all meant so that we change and we are conformed into His image through the transition. We know the scripture, behold, I do a new thing, God says, right? Behold, I do a new thing. Surely shall you not know it. And I've really been praying for God to give me some clarity on this today because I believe that as, as over the last few weeks, we've heard some things from our pastors and from, from others in the congregation. I call them body words, right? Words that the body has spoken or that the, we've heard. One of them is this, as Pastor Rick has been sharing from uh, the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus was crossing the water, Pastor Rick said this, that he was going into new regions. Jesus was going to go into a new region, a new place. And it takes, it takes something to go to that new region, that new place. There was a storm in between the place where they were to the, where they were going. There was a storm in the middle. There was transition. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says it like this. It says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will, I will even make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. What does that mean? How many of you ever tried? I, I often think about the settlers coming through the wilderness years and years ago. They didn't have roads and highways like we had. They had to cut every single tree down. They had to make their path. Or in the, in the desert, there, there, there's a stream in the desert. There's something. God is going to make a way where it seems impossible to our own eyes. It's a way that God wants to, to bring us into this new place. Something else that uh, I've heard Pastor Rick share, not to pick on you, Pastor, but I think it's really good stuff. So I I'm, I'm really think it's great. Pastor Rick said that he feels like, and I believe that others have confirmed this, that this is going to be a year of deliverance. Have you heard that? Did you hear that last week? What does deliverance mean? Deliverance means freedom. It means a place of freedom. But the very basic form of deliverance comes from what? Spending time in God's presence. Being with Him. Having an encounter with God. That's where true deliverance happens. That's where true freedom happens. And I don't know if you can think of anything in your life or any time in the Bible of, of examples, but when somebody was in God's presence, there was an immediate change in their demeanor, in their presentation. Moses is a great example, right? He was changed in the instant. 
It's an encounter with God. An encounter. I remember one time I was teaching on a, this topic, and uh, it was a smaller uh, Sunday school, uh, and, and I, I kind of challenged everybody because I know that everybody here has their favorite place to sit. I think I sit in the same seat back three rows back, and I like the same parking lot because I know, the uh, parking spot, because I know exactly how long it takes me to get somewhere. And when I go to work, although I haven't, been, have, haven't had to go to work for a long time, for two years, I work remotely, but when I did go to work, I would park in the same parking lot so I know exactly where to go. So we have a very good way in our life of doing the exact same things. But when I was teaching this message, a similar message, I said, every time, every time I say the word change, you have to get up and change seats. I won't do that today. And so I started talking and I didn't realize that I had the word change like really quick. Like it's time to change and change again. And then everybody was going like this and it was, it was crazy, but it was kind of fun. And so change is constant. It's constantly happening and, and transition in our life. Our lives are full of transitions. The other thing that I've heard spoken, and last week we sang the song that we need to move. The worship team played it. And it really spoke to me because we do need to move. We need to cry out to God for a move today. But I started thinking about the word move, and I, I started thinking about how many times I've had to move and how much I didn't like moving. <laughs> how many of you like moving? I, I've learned that I don't like getting the trucks and getting the stuff and moving it and packing it away and unpacking it. I like the end results. Oh, I get to rest. I get to, I get to experience a new place, a new home. But I'm not so sure about the moving part. It's not always the favorite thing to do because there's a lot of work that has to be done in the move. There's a lot of preparation that has to be done to move. It doesn't always just come easy and naturally. You know what comes before every move of God? I've studied a lot of church history. You know what came before every move of God? People crying out to him for a move. God's people crying out to him and saying, God, we can't stay here any longer. We have to move on and get on to something new. Countless revivals have started from men and women who've been crying out to God for a move. See, life is transition. And change is inevitable in our life. And if we're not prepared for it, if we're not ready for it, it can cause problems in our lives. It can cause difficulties. Let me give you some examples of transitions in our life. I thought about school. How many of you remember back when you went to school? It was a long time ago, right? For some of you, it was a really long time ago. It was a long time ago for me now. I, I, I see things and, and everything the kids are doing today. I'm like, man, I don't even remember that. But elementary school, transitioning from elementary to middle school, big change, right? Big way of relating to people. What about middle school to high school? Man, things really got weird then. People were really different in high school. 
or to college. What about this one? I, this is one I always like to think about whenever I think of transition. Whenever you get turned 16 and you could get your driver's license and you had some freedom. Man, I remember the first time I drove my dad's car to high school for the first time by myself. I'm like, man, I was so careful. Driving so slow. Didn't want to wreck the car or hit a bump. Then a week later, I was, oh, it was crazy, but yeah. <laughs> what about 18 was a transition in our lives? So we get to vote. We have some, some adult feelings of, of concerns, of, of things we need to do in our life. Uh, you know, adulthood, I think of my daughter a lot of times, and I, I, I know that they're doing great, my son-in-law, my, my daughter are doing great. But I, I think of some comments she's made to me. She goes, I don't like adulting anymore. You know, I'm thinking, welcome to the club. It's not fun. It makes, you have to go to work when you don't feel like it. You got a headache? Sorry, get up, take care of the kids. Doesn't matter. What about 21? Purchase alcohol, you make some decisions now that affect you, right? You can, you can go in and do some things that really will affect you. You have the freedom to do that. Dating, marriage, parenting. How many of you ever had transition in parenting? We had one child. Uh, many of you may have had more, but we had one child. And there was a lot of transitions in that time. Transitions for me because I had two women in the house. Pray for me, hallelujah. <laughs> but it was a transition, you know? My daughter went from the, the high school years to, the, to college years and to uh, having kids of her own. And we had a transition from uh, being, a, being an active, active parent to being... Uh, parents with, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, empty nesters. That's a transition. And, and I have to be honest with you, I've not always been good at transitioning. <laughs> it's hard. Things change. In fact, the more things change, the more they remain the same sometimes. What about careers? How many of you changed jobs a few times? They say the average person will change a job at least now, at least seven times in their lifetime, maybe more. You know, it wasn't like back when my dad got a job at the factory and stayed there for 40 years. It's not very common anymore. Most, most of the time now we change jobs frequently or at least every few years. Company changes, births, deaths, losses and celebrations all have transition to them. Now, there's a, a period in the childbirthing experience, which I can't say I'm personally familiar with. All the moms be like, you know, that's right. But there's a part of, of a birthing of a child that's called transition. And it's the part where the, the child is very comfortable in the mother's womb but something stirs them and something's getting ready to happen. And that child begins to transition with its head down, ready to, to pass through the birthing canal. It's the last part of active labor. And from what I can tell from my experience with my wife and what I've heard others, it can be pretty painful. Ladies, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mothers. 
and the contractions come at it, and it's, they can come 60 to 90 minutes, seconds, and, and the pressure's there, and, and, and all of a sudden, all it is, is is a transitional state from that child ready to come from this comfortable place into the new place of life on its own. It describes transition very well. But I want to look at a few things here today about the difficulties that we can experience in transition. Because transition means this, it means hard and pressing, stressful, and it also means the loss and pain of things before, it means uncertainty. The first thing we see here is that it means death to the former. Death to the former. See, the end of something, according to what the Bible says, is better than its beginning. For us as believers, we know that because God's favor is upon us. He will take us through whatever we're going through to get us on the other side. But the hard part comes when we have to go through and we have to die to something that we are very familiar with. See, we get comfortable. And we don't like to change, so we, 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 even if something's not good for us, we'll stay there because we, we like it. We become comfortable in it. The verse in Ecclesiastes we read, verse 10, it says, Why were the former days better than these? You do not inquire wisely concerning this. We, get, we start looking back. You know, I, I, I think everybody here, by law, has to have one of these things in their car. It's called a rearview mirror. They're very good, but you can't really drive by looking in your rearview mirror very often, can you? You can see a little bit. You can see cars coming behind you. Even if you're backing up, you can, you can use it to drive backwards a little bit. But you can't really focus on your rearview mirror. There's a purpose for our past. We can remember it. We can go through it. And we can understand what we've, com- what we've come through, what God has taken us through. But we can't live there. And so we have to die or let die the former way of doing something. Transition is this. A place where we grieve the former and old ways, but shift towards the new thing that God is doing. Just like the baby. God is wanting to shift us, to move us, to prepare us for transition. You know, 90%, 97, I'm sorry, 97% are babies are born in the traditional method of head first down the birthing canal. The other 3% are a breach in some other way. There's different ways of that. So maybe we could put a correlation here together that 97% of people usually go with the flow, but 3% of us are stiff necks. I don't know. Maybe that's okay. I don't know. I'm just saying. 3% of us don't like to go and we'll grab a hold and stay there no matter what. The next thing is this. There's a temptation during transition to return to the former way. There's a temptation to go back. The children of Israel knew this. 
Moses had called them out of the out of the, the slavery, out of slavery, into the promised land. But there was a forty-year journey that they had to go through, a time of the wilderness, a transition in the wilderness. And you would think that they'd be happy to be going to this new place, right? Like we would. You think we'd be happy to be going to this new place? What did they do? Complained, murmured, said, hey, at least we can go back and be slaves. See, that's how, that's how it happens with us. We get comfortable with our slavery that we're in bondage to. And sometimes the, the transition, that, that time, that journey through the wilderness makes us forget what God is getting ready to do. He's getting ready to give you the blessing. He's getting ready to give you the promised land experience. Whatever it is that God is getting ready to do. Deliverance. And it's easier for us, we think, in our minds to go back to the way it was. In fact, how many of you can really be honest, don't answer this with raising your hands because I'm not trying to embarrass anyone today, but how many of you could say we've become comfortable in our misery or our bondage? The next thing is this, and this is something we need to be aware of, is three, is we resist change. We resist the transition that we're going through. Because we enjoy normalcy. We are people that are habit-forming. We like routines. But routines can become very quickly called what I call rut-teens. We get so locked into the routine, we can't see anything else but that. And that becomes almost our idol. That becomes almost the way of doing something. And then when God... God never changes, but He is a forward-moving God. And when God tries to bring in something new, what happens? We kind of almost reject it. We kind of almost say, I don't think I can do this because this isn't in my routine. Ouch. I'm talking to myself here. And God, during transition, challenges what our routines are and what our ways of thinking are. Years ago, I was, I'd studied church history, and one of the things I always found interesting of church history, whether it's the, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Third Great Awakening, all the, all the different uh, transitions, but even if you get into the, the, even from Luther to Methodist to Baptists to all the different denominations and how they were formed, one thing that I always found interesting was that the former people would persecute the new thing that God was doing. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts. What if, what if God moves in a way that I don't think is right? <laughs> what if God moves in a way that challenges the way I think? Yeah. I think He's getting ready to do that. There's been many people, many words spoken that God is opening the doors for the church today as a whole. God is opening doors that only God can open for the church. You've been hearing many pastors, many th people speaking this. 
And I think we need to be ready for God to move outside of the box that I think. That's challenging, isn't it? Because it's, it's like, I'm comfortable here, God. I don't want to move. I like it. But God is saying, no, you can't stay here. You have to grow up, Matt. You have to become more like me. You have to be transformed. So are you in a routine or a routine? Answer that on your own time. <laughs> exposes, the fourth thing is, it exposes vulnerabilities. Anytime we're in transition, we get anxious, we get nervous because it's unfamiliar. And so guess what? Our vulnerabilities become to come out. We're like, oh, I don't know. It's, we, it's, I'm anxious now. I don't understand this. God, can you give me peace? We become more exposed. And, and here's the reality. We become more susceptible to pressures. We become more susceptible to, to falling to depression. How many of you, I'm just, just going to be honest with you, it's been depressing the last few couple years. It's been hard. Let's be honest. We're in church. Can we do that? It's been hard. But we know that God has something greater for us on the other side. Amen. That's the thing we have to be ready for. The end of a thing is better for us because God is on our side. God is with us. He wants to prosper us. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. It's in Him. It's not in the way I think. It's not in the way I, I, I've experienced this, God, and this is the way it happened for me. One, two, three, four. And this is the way everybody else has to experience the same thing. No, none, it doesn't work like that. When we step into new things, it's uncharted territory. Unknown outcomes, except for the fact that we know God has our back. We can't always see the next step fully. We can't always see the, the place that God has taken us to its fullness yet. But here's what we've got to do. We've got to be prepared and expect transition. If we don't, if we, if we don't expect something to change in our life, we don't, if we don't expect transition, we'll, we'll never be ready for it. We have to be ready, be prepared, be in the right place with God, be close to Him, encounter Him. Come back to that place where God is calling you to walk in Him, with Him, through Him. Everything is about Him. And we have to prepare our hearts to receive the new thing. Thank you, Lord. I want to just share the, this topic here. Repent, return, and refresh. Repent, return, and refresh. In Acts chapter 3, um, a few weeks ago, right before the uh, holidays last year, I shared a message about the lame man at the gate. 
And it was, a, it was an awesome miracle that God did through the work in the hands of Peter and John. But this, this miracle, I mean, there was a lot to it that I shared. If you, if you want to listen to that message, you can. But there was a lot that happened in that miracle. And this miracle really shook up a lot of people. In fact, it actually goes on for the book of uh, chapter, Acts chapter 3 and 4. It took up two chapters to talk about this miracle and what happened. So after John and Peter have reached down and give this man and he, he, he becomes whole right then, there's a stirring that happens in the people. And, and this, there's an interest in what's going on here because, you know, Jesus is not with them anymore. And this is one of the first miracles that they've seen with their own hands through the hands of Peter and John. And so Peter uses this as an opportunity to preach. And I have to be honest, it was kind of an in-your-face sermon, if you read it. It's kind of like he's really kind of telling them, hey... You guys messed up. I'm not so sure if Rick was to teach like that, I'd be so happy all the time. If, if Rick started telling me this, and like, like Peter did, I don't, I don't know. It, you know we, we're probably not used to this kind of a sermon. He was very pointed, and basically he said, You disowned the Holy Spirit, the Holy Righteous One. You murdered Him. Ow. Ouch, that hurts. And Acts chapter 3, I'm just going to read it so you can have context here. Acts chapter 3, verse 14, it says, You disown the Holy and Righteous One and ask that a murderer be released to you. Verse 15, it says, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who, whom you see... And no was made strong or healed. It is by Jesus' name and the faith that comes with through him that he is completely healed, as you can all see. And he goes on and he starts telling the story about how they did this to Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says a very interesting thing. Peter says, Repent then. And turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I don't know about you, but we need times of refreshing. We need an outpouring of God's Spirit to come into us today. To encourage us, you know what, the last two years have been tough, but there is a spiritual outpouring that is about ready to happen, are you ready to receive it? Come on, are you ready to receive this outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Whatever it is, it may not fit your, your timetable, it may not fit your agenda, but God wants to do it anyway because He's so loving. And He knows we can't stay where we are. So you have to repent. What's repent mean? Turn. So some theologians say 180 degrees, turn and go the opposite direction. And, it, and then it means, and then the next thing is return to. 
You've got to repent and return to something. So we're returning to God. And then what happens? Refreshing happens. Come on, just breathe in to say, Oh, I need a refreshing God. I need a refreshing. It goes on. I, I'll let you read Acts chapter 4, but it really talks about really interesting things. How the apostles were actually told, not, don't, you can't preach in Jesus' name. You can't preach in this name because you're causing such an uproar. And they respond and said, hey, who are we to obey God or you? I think we'll obey God. I think we'll just follow God. How about that? Later, in Acts chapter 4, they began to pray for boldness. Because you know what? Sometimes when God doesn't move, you have to have some boldness. You may have to stay, stand for things that God says that maybe the government doesn't. Ouch. You know, the government isn't always right. We have to obey the laws of the land. But sometimes the, God's laws conflict with man's laws. That's a very interesting place. I'll leave it at that. Times of refreshing. Here's the thing with, with, that I've learned personally, and I try to do. It's not that easy to do. But the way up in God is down. Say, so what do you mean by that, Matt? Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, Jesus said, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The way up is down. You know how you can tell this? Let's do a little action here today. Take your hand, put it on the back of your neck, and pull it down. If there's a little bit of resistance there, maybe you need to humble yourself. Maybe just a little bit. Take yourself down. James chapter 4 says it this way. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. The first Peter says that it's very similar. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves. Times of refreshing. Times of a mighty move of God. How many of you are ready for it? Come on. Just give God some praise. How many of you are ready? Just, just clap your hands. Come on. You can clap your hands. How many of you are ready for something to happen? It's going to come from a place of humility and repentance. Because that's just the way God is. I'm going to end with a scripture here. I, I know that it's a very popular scripture that many people here have, have heard before. It's one that uh, I've grew up on quite a bit. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people... who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.